Hello, and welcome back to the Security Metrics Podcast. My name is Jen Stone. I'm one of the principal security analysts here at Security Metrics. Very excited about the topic today because so many of our listeners deal with uh, credit card data protection and are familiar with PCI, but there's a lot more to the PCI standards than than what a lot of people are are most familiar with. And so today I'm going to have uh, with me Jeremy King, the regional head for Europe at PCI Security Standards Council, to talk to us about the kind of the breadth of programs offered by PCI. Let me let me give you a little bit of an intro on what that is. The PCI Security Standards Council, or PCI SSC is a global forum that brings together payments industry stakeholders to develop and drive adoption of data security standards and resources for safe payments worldwide. PCI security standards are developed specifically to protect payment account data throughout the payment lifecycle and to enable technology solutions that devalue this data and remove the incentive for criminals to steal it. They include standards for merchants, service providers, and financial institutions on security practices, technologies, and processes, and standards for developers and vendors for creating secure payment products and solutions. Today, I'm happy to be able to talk to Jeremy King, who will help us understand what PCI is all about and some of the programs and resources they offer. Jeremy King leads the PCI Council's efforts in increasing adoption and awareness of the PCI security standards internationally. In this role, Mr. King works closely with the Council and representatives of its policy-setting executive committee from American Express, Discover, JCB International, MasterCard, UnionPay, and Visa. His chief responsibilities include gathering feedback from the merchant and vendor community, coordinating research and analysis of PCI SSC managed standards throughout European markets, driving education efforts and council membership recruitment through active involvement in local and regional events, industry conferences, and meetings with key stakeholders. He also serves as a resource for approved scanning vendors, or ASVs. You might have heard of ASV scans, especially if you're a merchant, they're part of what you do. Qualified security assessors, or QSAs, which is what I am. Internal security assessors, or ISAs. PCI forensic investigators, or PFIs. And related staff in supporting regional training, certification, and testing programs. Jeremy, welcome, and thank you for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure. Gosh, that sounded like I'm very busy. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're not. I hope you're actually enjoying your summer very much and not not as crazy busy as that made you sound. I'm having a lovely time. Thank you. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the PCI Data Security Standard or PCI DSS, as I mentioned earlier, because that seems to be what most merchant organizations come in contact with. But... The PCI SSC oversees a lot more standards than that. Can you give us a high-level overview of those standards? No, absolutely. And, and it's interesting there when you're doing that introduction, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So the council the council <laughs> is, is very much involved in the payment life cycle. It's probably always easier to say the payment life cycle can go through all of that. From start to finish, we have standards that are involved or are covering or you know play a part to ensure the security of the card data from start to finish and literally i mean the start so two of our standards are based on card production they look after those organizations that 
manufacture and personalize cards. There are card production, logical and card production physical standards. So literally from the start, we also have our pin security standard. It's aimed at ensuring the security of the pin, however it's generated and used and wherever it's used. And then you start moving into that transaction lifecycle. So PCI DSS is all about protecting the cardholder data wherever it's stored, processed or transmitted. We're also very much interested in how to secure the cardholder data when it is first brought in. And that's generally in a face-to-face -face environment. It comes in through a point of interaction device. So we do evaluate, we have the standard for, we do the evaluation and the approval of every payment device, every payment terminal that's used to accept a, a card-based payment. And we list those on our website. Um, behind that, we're also approving and evaluating the HSMs that are used in so many different parts of the life cycle. And then you move along and you're into point-to-point -point encryption, which is a way of really removing the, the pan and, and encrypting that so it's of no use to the criminal. And then you're coming to some of the other areas and, and ensuring, the soft, ensuring the security of the software that's used is another standard. Uh, we've got New technology standards coming in for um, software-based payments on um, mobile devices, pay, uh, mobile phones, tablets. We tend to get a bit sort of strange with some of our titles there. We, we call it SPOC and CPOC. Uh, and we've got a new one coming along called MPOC, just to make it nice <laughs> and easy for everybody. But basically, this is moving into mobile payments. Thanks. And then behind that, we also supporting EMV with some of their work. So we have standards on 3DS, the core and the software lifecycle. So pretty much wherever there is involvement of card data that needs to be secured, we have a standard on it. Now, what I would say out of all of that list, it, it, it seems to be an ever-growing list, is actually this year we're going to be reducing it. So I mentioned software security and the software security framework standards. Actually, this year we're closing off and ending our payment application data security standards. So PADSS that's one of our older standards. It comes to an end in at the end of October this year. So we may want to talk a bit about that as well as we go in through some of these questions. Actually, I would love to. I, I didn't list that here um, uh, because I didn't want to put you on the spot in something that seems kind of technical and also a little bit fraught for a lot of people. I've already had quite a few um, customers reach out to me who have in the past relied on PADSS, the, the um, getting that um, documentation from their vendors. And so they have a degree of assurance on on the software that they're using. And, and they're a little bit panicky almost now saying, how do I, what do I ask for now? How do I know? What, what, how does this relate to me as a merchant? But then also on the, on the other side of things, I know we have PADSS assessors in our organization. I'm not personally one of them, um, but I, I know that that requires a lot more kind of education and, and certification in order to to um, go that direction. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that change and how it's going to affect various groups, maybe why the change happened? Yeah, I, th I think why the change happens a really good starting point there, Jen. And and when you when you go back to the history, so the council was formed in two thousand and six. So PCI DSS was formed in two thousand and six. One of the other er very early standards was PADSS. 
So back back in the day, as we like to say, mm-hmm. back in 2006, 2007, when you wrote software for use in, in the payment environment, it was generally software that was written. You would send it out for evaluation. It would take a few weeks and then come back and it would be used for a year in an organization. At the end of the year, they may do an update and we'd reassess it and, and that would be used for the next year. Now, you skip forward to where we are in, in the 2020s. And if you said to someone, oh, yeah, I'm going to develop this software and not change it for a year, they would look at you as though you would, you mm-hmm. know, you were out you're out of your mind you know who who doesn't update their software yeah. and and so one of the challenges we faced was software is updated so much more frequently and right. so it was beginning to become a, a, a sort of struggle for organizations to keep their software approved and also how we're using software and where it's being developed and how it's being developed and, and, and the patching of it becomes so much more important. We realized that rather than try and do a big change to the PADSS, it was actually more important to sort of just start again and get it get the focus right for how software is used, where it's used, and and sort of the, the, the time the short time frames for its use. And so we developed something new called our software security framework, which is built up of two key standards. It's the software, the secure software standard and the secure software lifecycle. I'll start with the second one first, if I may, because this is new and this is really exciting. So in the past, vendors would develop software, they'd send it into the lab and we'd assess it and and, and make sure it was good and give them a tick in a box and a certificate. Now, what we're doing with the SLC is we're going to validate that the software developer has good quality control procedures in place and is developing their software against those good quality control procedures. So if they do a minor change, if they're doing a patch or something like that, instead of having to go through all this process, We will validate their process. We will check and certify to say, yes, you are doing this correctly. So when they do an update to some software that they're approved against, rather than go through that whole process, they can just inform us, hey, we've done this update against our approved standard. Here's the changes. And we can look at that. We can check that it's all gone through and go, okay, yeah, we'll we'll update the listing. That is far quicker. It has to be quicker because for most people, and you know, some of the software developers, they're, they're, they're doing patches or updates every day. Right. So you can't take six weeks to update, to, to evaluate software when it's changing every day. It just doesn't work. So the new process, we'll, we've got the soft, with the secure software standard that enables the developers to have a good confidence in the security of their development. We know software is one of the key targets that the criminals are attacking, so we want to make sure it's secure, and we can still validate that. So we'll validate that probably initially or maybe every, you know, every now and then. I know every now and then is a little vague, but you know, as we build confidence up with the vendors and everybody about this, that will give us an idea on that. And then we'll be able to use the SLC to do the patching. So from a merchant's perspective, this is going to be great because as they're getting these patches, they're thinking, does that mean that I'm no longer compliant? Does that take me into a different problem? It's like, no, it's updated already on the website. Our, Our website is updating this. So for us, this is a huge change. Now, the scary part is... Um, we, we, we've been announcing this in as much 
um, outreach as we can that this program was ending. So we started off probably more than a year ago, probably two years ago to say, hey guys, the PADSS is ending. Last year, we stopped accepting new submissions. So in the June last year, we stopped accepting new submissions and we said, guys, it's ending in October next year. And as is always the case, everyone's like, yeah, October's miles away. <laughs> and now we're in August and it's like, October's not so far away. So it is important that um, if you are looking for new software, that you, you're talking to the vendors and going to the vendors and going, hey guys, are you into the new software security framework? And I can tell you now, not enough of them are. Right. We really need the vendors to start picking up or the software developing companies to pick this up and run with it. So I think in the short term, it's going to be a brand issue. Compliance, by the way, I didn't, we, the, the C word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the council are not responsible for compliance. That is always the brand's responsibility. Yeah. So they, if someone is using PADSS and is concerned, they do need to talk to their brand reps about that. In terms of the migration to software security framework, they should be leaning on their software developers saying, guys, you need to get into the SSF program yesterday. Yeah. And if they're doing it internally, they need to find their internal people and say, guys, get in touch with the council because you need to be picking this up. It is actually going to be one of, in my mind, it's one of the most important standards that we have. It's equally as important as DSS because as we see the payment world changing, as everything, more and more things are becoming mobile, more and more things are running on apps, everything is reliant on software having good secure software is essential if we're going to be protecting payment data going forward. So getting everyone bought into this new program, critical. And don't wait. Absolutely. You, you've got and, to, you, know, you need to be doing it. And I think merchants have more power than they think they do um, with the, the oh, service yes. providers. One of the, the messages that I'm hearing from merchants is, oh, well, my service provider said PADSS is going away, so they're not going to provide us anything now. And I said, oh, great. Well, then we'll have to schedule an application layer pen test for the pa payment application that you're using. We'll have to do all the, because that was one of the, the, the levels of assurance that they were getting from the PADSS and now getting from the new software standard is, is that the merchant can rely on that um, so, yeah. to meet some of the requirements. And if they don't, then uh, if they don't have that, then they, all of those requirements for the software um, security land back on the merchant. So the merchant shouldn't be accepting uh, a payment application that isn't going through that program. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I say you should be reaching out to, to the to the suppliers and saying, you, you need to be on this. You should be giving us this certificate. It's there now. Absolutely. And the good news is the number of approved, you know, software um, applications through this new process is growing. It's, you know, we've been watching it and it's, it is as we get in near yes. October and people are beginning to put it through, we're, we're beginning to see the rise in the number of approved um, solutions. So, yes, just everyone get on to it, please. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, October is going to hit and then nobody's going to get any holidays because they're going to be in a panic. Oh, yes. This episode is brought to you by the Security Metrics 2022 Guide to PCI Compliance. I personally helped with this guide and can highly recommend it to anyone going through PCI Compliance. It goes through what the, re the requirements are and then tells you in the real world what they mean, how to meet them, recommendations from um, auditors. So uh, it's a great resource to get the fundamentals of PCI Compliance. You can get it on our website, securitymetrics.com. 
So uh, another change that we've had is to the PCI DSS, um, the one that most merchants are familiar with. We moved, well, we are moving, excuse me, and haven't t- totally moved yet, but it, the 4.0 just came out, and everybody's really been on 3.2.1. And so a, a lot of the merchants that that are smaller are still kind of fuzzy on where they're at with things. And, and they were, there was some, some panic that the SAQs were going to go away. Very happy that they did not go away. Um, but, but for people who are kind of unfamiliar with how, what an SAQ is, how it's related to the PCI DSS, uh, you know, the intent, um, maybe run, run over that for me a little bit. No, absolutely. And, and just to confirm the, 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 the merchant sort of assessment form was never going away. The SAQ. Yeah. What we wanted, what we were trying to do, was to really clarify that self-assessment questionnaires are for merchants. There is a tendency for other organisations, maybe service providers, to think that they can do a self-assessment questionnaire. It's like, no, this is this is for merchants. You're you're as a service provider. You you are aggregating data. Yeah. You need to prove to organisations that you are taking security very seriously. So what we were cont- contemplating was an uh, was another way of um, showing that these were specifically for merchants. But I think we took a step too far too quickly uh, when we released that, and it did cause a little bit of panic. So we went, okay, you know, we'll step back. Right. Uh, and we we use the time to update the self-assessment questionnaires and really then have moved those out. And that's why some of those documents weren't out as quickly as the DSS, because we were we taken on board that input. You know, one of the things, one of the great things that I've seen from working with the community has been their involvement in the RFC process. We've had something like 6,000 comments through all of the wow. uh, all of the um, RFC program. And every one of those comments was reviewed and, and led to a change. Right. And it was quite funny. I was, I'll come back to the SEQs, don't worry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I was working <laughs> with, I was working with one organization and they, they'd submitted some, some comments and I wanted to show them how their comments had, had led to a change. But when I, when I compared like the first draft of the of the DSS to what had come out, there was so it was different. There's the layout had changed because the comments were all about please provide more guidance, make it easier. And all of this had been taken on board, as well as some of the specifics about can you, you know, make this correct or this requirement, or can you put a bit more guidance? That it made it very difficult to map uh, where someone's mm-hmm. comments from the very first RFC had affected it but i can say they absolutely did and the number of positive comments i've received from organizations about how we've laid it out about how we've provided the guidance how we've made it clear what we're looking for that's been tremendous and that's been very encouraging so bringing that into the saqs really the self-assessment questionnaires are are to try and simplify the process especially for smaller merchants Mm -hmm. we are very very conscious that small merchants, especially micro merchants, are not technical experts. Right. And so, if you if you presented them with four hundred pages of DSS, <laughs> then they're very much going to go, well, okay, 
and they wouldn't touch it. Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to try and do was to try and simplify the scope in a way by sort of breaking it down into, well, how are you doing business? You know, mm-hmm. are you just doing face to face? If you're just doing face to face, then actually self-assessment questionnaire B is going to be the one for you. And what we did then was like shrink down the applicable requirements to those that we still felt were relevant and and if you would if your terminal was um connected via the internet and most of them are we'd have a few more requirements but instead of having to address three or four hundred you are now down to maybe 20 or 30 so now it becomes more manageable and really what we've done there is we've we've sort of highlighted whether people are doing face-to-face transactions whether they're doing online transactions where they're using remote terminals and then as, as a sort of the range of standards that we, we talked about right at the start has expanded then we've added a few more in so we've got one specifically focused on point-to-point encryption because again there are some differences there so it's a way of helping them focus on the scope and, and again even some of the and even some of the larger merchants are are looking at this and it's interesting that has as as the merchant community has moved with us it's 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 again when you look at the history of, of of the council seeing how the merchants have improved their own security and how they look after data and how they understand how they're operating and and, and transactions are going through their system so they can also identify sometimes whether they're you know they can separate and 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 and, and really keep a keep separate their online business from their face-to-face business, which means then they can, instead of having to do it all, they can look at that and go, well, our face-to-face business will do SAQB, BIP, and our online business will go through SAQA, AEP. Uh, and, and it again depends how they're working. The other thing that's changed that's also influencing this is that a lot of service providers are now bringing in payment solutions for these small merchants. So they're coming to these small merchants going, look, don't worry about the payment side. We'll provide that for you. So you can just focus on your selling. Now, that is fantastic because a lot of these service providers have got good experience and know how to do this securely. The challenge is that too many of these service providers are going, and that's all you need to do. And it's wrong. (laughs) It is wrong, 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 wrong. To every service provider that's watching this program, Every merchant still has things to do, even if you're providing the payment page. And right. that is they have to do SAQ IP because it's how do they transition from, from themselves to you? Because the criminals are very clever and they'll try and get into that gap between that transition point and they'll attack everybody. Right. So, yes, great service provider. You're providing these lovely secure payment pages, but the merchant still has a little bit to do. Please tell them. Please remind them. Please help them. And we'll will ensure the whole process is going to be smoother, easier, and more secure. Right. And and even from a non-technical point of view, um, even if they have uh, third-party providers that are taking care of every aspect of that for them, um, there's still something for the merchant to do, and that is receiving the attestation of compliance and the responsibility matrix to make sure that every aspect of what they're doing is covered and that they're choosing service providers that have been assessed. Now, there are occasionally service providers that I see that self-assess using that um, uh, SAQD for service providers, um, which uh, I believe is a risky move um, for merchants. Agreed. 
Agreed. And, and, and I'll tell them often, <laughs> if you're using a third-party service provider, I want to see in your your organization's risk assessment that you are choosing to do that, that you're not just glossing over the fact that you're getting a self-assessed questionnaire from a service provider, because like you said, they aggregate that information that the, the, the service provider can potentially be a big risk for a small merchant. And so if they are going to, to accept that, I want to see in their risk assessment, a line item that says, we have a, a assessed the risk of using uh, a self-assessing service provider, and we are approving it um, because of ABC reasons. And here's our senior um, business leader who has made this decision and knows about it, right? So sometimes um, the the way that, that you can um, protect yourself as a merchant is making the decisions and making sure that that your service providers really are up to snuff. I think it's one one area where sometimes they gloss over it a little bit. Do you know, I, I totally agree with that. I cannot believe that if a service provider wants to be taken seriously, they wouldn't want to have an external organization come in and assess them and say, mm. yes, you are doing, you are taking security seriously. Because, you know, if I was a merchant and, and, and a service provider was coming to me with a self-assessment question, you know, a self-assessment um, validation, I'd be like, you don't take it seriously. You're not going to look after me and you're not going to look after my customers. I'm not going to use you. Right. It's as simple as that. Uh, there, uh, there's absolutely. a lot to choose from and go for the ones who will come with the the, the right level of uh, validation. You know, this feels like it, it leads us into the topic of ASV scans because mm. we, there are a lot of vulnerability scans and the, the um, ASV scan is, is a type of vulnerability scan, but it's a very specific type because it's directed by uh, the, the PCI uh, standards. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what an ASV scan is and how it's, why it's different from other types of vulnerability scans? I'll try. I, I am I'm not an expert on this area, but what I would say is one of the things the council does do is is we approve assessors as well, a range of assessors to try and ensure that we have high quality assessors that we've trained them to understand the standards and understand what we're looking for. With the ASVs and and as well as some of the evaluation laboratories, we take that forward into a higher level because we want to make sure that they've got the right capabilities. So for an organization to become a PCISV, they have to go and, and, and do a, an, an assessment and an evaluation. To We have some test pieces set up that they have to find all the flaws with. Uh, and if they can, that's brilliant. We go, okay, you know, you're doing this properly. And if you can't, we're like, you know, guys, you need to do a little bit more work before you come on board. And really what we're doing with the with the ASV is, is, is we're, we're doing the vulnerability scans. We're going to check all of the IP ranges. We're trying to make sure that we can see whether an organization has got all the right security features in place, whether they've got open ports everywhere, whether they've got patching, whether they're using outdated or unsupported software and and certainly you know when we saw all the attacks the mage car attacks that that was related to you know yeah. unsupported or insecure software so it is a really important part of the overall security assessment when 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 there's a breach and our forensic investigators go in it's usually they will say this wasn't you know this is how they came in they they could find their way in because this was open this hadn't been patched this wasn't supported asv scans are going to find that now the other thing as well is that 
the scans never stay. It's like the score never stays. The passing score doesn't stay the same forever because the longer something's in in place, the more criminals learn about it. So the level of technology and tech and, and expertise they need to overcome certain things diminishes so maybe what was good enough one year you may find if you suddenly start failing that we've updated the scoring required and suddenly what was acceptable is no longer acceptable so sometimes that's why you suddenly start failing or you know you see there's a problem but it it is is important because this is how the criminals attack people this is how they're getting in the weaknesses and so it's a really good way of doing it now one of the problems of being in lockdown for two years is that for many organizations that had to shut up because one of our requirements is you have four passing scans, you know, in, in a row, right. it can be difficult to do four when you are shut down for, for a period. Yeah. Uh, it's getting less now as we're coming through this, but if you have problems because you literally were closed because of lockdown, do talk to your assessors, do talk to your to your acquirers, and, and we can work this through. You know, hopefully going forward, we'll get all those scans together and we'll, we'll have it nicely in place. But, you know, we did understand and appreciate that lockdown threw everything into a mess and we're still we're still in the recovery part of that. But, uh, you yes, know, what? It's, I, I mean, really like that about PCI because there is that element of reasonable grace that, that the PCI standards <laughs> offer uh, at, that you don't see in some of the other standards and and I really value that um personally as an assessor we 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 try to appreciate you know we will be harsh but you know we understand there are certain situations that, that the last thing is as the covid has, has created one thing i would add about the asv scans and dss4 and saqs we'll bring it all together okay. is that we have brought into the SAQs the requirement for quarterly scans and that might come as a bit of a surprise for the smaller merchants especially if they don't really understand what that that means to them and what they're supposed to do with that information and I think that's where we're going to rely on a bit of help from you as the assessor community we're going to rely on a bit of help from our acquirer community and i think from our own side we'll be providing more more support and guidance and information around this because again small merchants may not understand why this has suddenly come in it is so important the small merchants are often the ones that don't do this updating and patching and using the correct software and they are getting breached so it's a way for them to help improve their security but they need to know what to do when it when they fail because they probably haven't got the technical skills to know what that means. So they're probably going to need that extra bit of help and support from the acquirers, from the assessor community, from the ASV people to, to help them know what they need to do as a result of a fail. And, 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 I, and ourselves as well in that. I think that that also speaks again to choosing service providers that are PCI DSS um, oh, yes. certified because they will have more knowledge towards helping the merchant in this, in this ecosystem of, you know, the programs that, that exist, you know, if you choose yes. somebody to do vulnerability scans, that is not an ASV listed uh, provider that is not already part of PCI DSS, then when something goes wrong uh, and they find a vulnerability, uh, they can't help the merchant as much as someone can right. that is already no, part of the program. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to stick a little bit with the idea that that being listed, being being um, uh, approved by the the 
you know, PCI, a, a PCI program, um, and go to P2P Eat. This is point-to-point encryption is one of my favorite ways that um, merchants take payments. I, I wish everybody who did face-to-face payments would stick to P2P Eat. I think it's a fantastic um, solution for thwarting the bad guys. Um, but one of the, it's also one of the most frustrating things because I, I often run into resellers who tell these small merchants, oh, it is P2PE, but the merchant doesn't know enough to know how do I check and make sure it's listed. And, and being, being P2PE and PCI means it's listed. It's not just some, you know, P2PE adjacent. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, can you tell me a little bit about the P2PE program, why having a listed solution is important? No, absolutely. Uh, so point-to-point encryption is, as the name says, it, it, the, the card data is encrypted. As soon as it enters into the payment terminal and it remains encrypted till it reaches a point where it can be securely decrypted. So we've run this for a number of years. And, and essentially, the, the, the sort of three parts to this, you've got your encryption part, with your, which is your PTS approved, approved PTS POI device. You've got your approved decryption point, which is your PTS, uh, PCI HSM. And then you've got the, the, the application and the software running, which will be approved as part of the point-to-point encryption process. So for a merchant, this is a really fantastic way to get rid of cardholder data from your face-to-face environment. It's encrypted in the terminal. Most of the terminals now that are available, because it's been in that standard for quite a number of years, so most of the terminals in use today will do that encryption securely. So we can we can know we can do it securely, and then it's encrypted through your merchant environment till it gets to either a third party or to your acquirer. So having that approved solution, and you can visit our website, our new website, and, and look it up quite easily, means that we've validated that the data is secure, that there, there aren't the key, because basically it's like it's like your house is you can lock the door but if you leave the key hanging on the handle then somebody can unlock the door and it's the same with cryptography if you leave the keys around then the criminals can decrypt it and and again so as part of that process we're going to make sure that all of the encryption process is correct all of the technology used for encryption is meeting our standards and and again this is another area where key lengths change every now and then as the criminals get better so we're going to validate everything's done the key loading process the key management process there's a whole raft of things that we're doing in the background to make sure that when that data is encrypted no one can do anything with it until the right people with the right method of decrypting can do it right so for for a small merchant this is brilliant because it's an easy solution for their acquirer or their reseller to provide them, validate it's there, validate it's an approved solution. Um, and then you you can you can pretty much relax. You know, it's going to be good. Now for for other organizations, encryption can can is is very helpful. And so you sometimes see other organizations wanting to encrypt certain aspects of of their data, of their payment data within their systems. And suddenly you see these other alternatives or these non-validated or, uh, you know, encryption solutions. Now, they're okay, but you're not entirely sure what you're getting. 
So, you know, it's best to go with the approved solution from us because you know how it's going to be used. The other thing as well is, is that one of the options we provided within our P2PN solution is to allow merchant decryption. So some large merchants want to decrypt the data in their data center for various reasons. So we've got a process that says, okay, we can validate that. We can validate that you do that decryption securely and you do a re-encryption securely against all of that key management process that I talked about. And so we provide a better solution for those merchants. So again, it's it's a way of giving you confidence. We're back to this, is your third party provider validated or are they just doing right. it themselves? Uh, and and it is all back to that. You know, if you're wanting this, you, these are the questions. I think, again, you said it earlier, Jen, merchants, are, are, you know, they should be asking these questions. They shouldn't be afraid to ask questions of, of, of their suppliers, of their vendors. It's like, show me the money. You know, yeah. show me that you've got a, an approved solution. Show me that, Mr. Service Provider, you are a validated service yes. provider. You know, don't be afraid. And if you don't understand, reach out. Yeah, I, I just had a consulting engagement just two months ago where they, they literally bought just four hours of consulting so I could make sure that their third-party vendor that was offering them a P2PE solution was actually offering them a P2PE solution because they didn't have that knowledge internally huh? to verify. And huh? you know what? They weren't being offered a P2PE solution. Yeah. And and so <laughs> I did upset a few people by saying, no, this is no. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but well, there are. I mean, the, the, the important thing there, there is a lot of choice. Don't yeah. people feel that? No, I'm going to be forced to this solution that's going to be really expensive. No, I, I can't remember. I think the last time I looked, we had about a hundred solutions available globally. Yeah. So it's not that you've got one or two. We no, there's quite there's a quite a few. Why? range for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that there's a lot of, it's interesting w when you see different groups in different industries. I think that's one of my favorite parts about being an assessor is I get to go and see how people conduct business in so many different ways, depending on what it is they're, they're doing. And, and they oh. each require kind of different payment solutions um, because they're sometimes it's like a, a fuel pump out in the middle of nowhere. And sometimes it's it's, um, you know, online pay, uh, payments for, for, you know, massive amounts of, of online sales. So it really runs the gamut. Knowing what, how you do business, as you said earlier, knowing how you do business helps you know kind of what applies the requirements. And if you're a smaller business, having that SAQ kind of short that cut that for you is, is a really valuable part, I think, of the standard set. You know, I, and, and you, you've actually raised a really important point because we've talked about the standards. Actually, the council is so much more than the standards. And one of the things that our community is brilliant at with working with us is actually providing guidance documents. Each year we run what we call our SIG program. And this invites our organizations, our community to submit ideas of, of areas they would like to have more guidance and again, this is often because there's within the DSS, the, how a how an airline approaches it is totally different to how a multi-lane retailer does. Mm -hmm. And and for those who who operate in call centres, there's different challenges. And so, over the years, our special interest groups, our SIGs, have generated some fantastic guidance documents, which have been written by the community. So they're written in a language people understand right. to help 
them and the friends and, and the community understand how this how DSS applies in this particular area. So we've done call center guidance, we've done e-commerce guidance, we've done cloud guidance, we've got our containerization guidance. Don't ask me, I'm sorry, that one went <laughs> in the cloud. And that's just about to be released. But Good. the important thing is our community put forward suggestions to us and then they vote on it and then they work on the guidance. And that is a really critical part of, of, of what makes me really proud is that it, we don't just do the standards. We have a lot of support and information and guidance and people should go on the website and look because generally some people have, you know, other people in that sector will have been involved. There may well be some supporting document that's going to be able to help you in that area. And that's really good. Absolutely. And that, that seems to lead us to the the, the topic that I, we mentioned earlier. Part of your duties include educational efforts. So what else is available for individuals and organizations in the area of PCI education? Oh, great, great transition into that. Um, we've, we've updated our website. So we've got a new website that hopefully is easier to, to get around. I know one of the key things we introduced was we've got a load of little icons just just below the, the the sort of main banner which says what do you want to do you used to, people used to struggle to find things we we had we have so much information we just weren't always good at being able to point people to it so hopefully now there's these boxes that says i want to i want to find a document i want to find information i want to ask a question uh, and, and that's going to be easier but behind that we do a lot of training. You said that yourself. You've done, the, you know, you've recently done your assessor training for version four. So we're doing training to transition our assessor community so they understand version four and we'll be able to assess against that. We also do training for our community. So we do um, awareness training. We do PCI professional training, which is aimed at individuals in organizations. We train individuals in companies to the same level as the assessor. We call that our internal security assessor training. So there's a lot of opportunities for organizations and for people to, to get involved with council. And then, of course, we're coming to our big events of the year, which we have, you know, we're, we're back in person for the first time in, in, in three years. We're Yay. super excited. Our community meetings are coming to Toronto in September and Milan in October. And, and I can't wait to see everyone i can't uh, either are really you okay are you part like are you in charge of those like are you the one that do you, are you the reason they're great jeremy tell me <laughs> absolutely not no um, <laughs> the reason they're great is because we have a whole team of people working like heck behind the scenes and we're also fortunate that a lot of organizations submit some really fantastic speaking suggestions so we're able to you know we get so many that we can really pick and choose yeah. the ones which we think are going to to the sort of story you know to the to what we're talking about at that event so there are great opportunities but for me as much as anything it's just mixing yeah. the opportunity to come and meet and talk to people who who have different approaches to to solving problems or they're in the same sort of sector and you you, you have similar problems you can discuss and share information about how to solve them and there are assessors there that can help the council's there yeah. to help the brands are there to help so it's a great it's a fantastic get together of the community. And like I say, I'm super excited that we're back in person this year and I can't wait. And for the first time, by the way, one thing for the first time, usually we restricted entrance to just our 
community. So our participating organisations, assessors, ISAs, etc. This year, for the first time, we're actually allowing organisations who are not participants, not participating organisations, individuals to be able to buy a ticket. So that's wow. equally exciting. So it's, uh, yeah, should be a busy, uh, busy event. Really looking forward to seeing everyone in Toronto. That's amazing. All right. Well, um, before I end the call, um, w- w- is there anything that we've missed? Anything that you wanted to bring up before we, we close? Do you know, I think we've had a real good discussion here, Jen, yeah. and I've just enjoyed having a chat. And uh, now I think, I think, do visit the website. There is so yes. much to see. And do sign up and come to the community meetings and talk to me in person because, honestly, I enjoy talking to everyone in person. It's so much fun. And, and I just want to reemphasize that. That website, there's so much. People ask me questions that I'm like, well, let me take you to the website and show you the document, the, show you the guidance, show you the information. It, it's there. It's searchable. People can find answers that they need there. And um, I, I think you guys have done just an excellent job on the, on the website. I'd better say I'd better say the web address because we've talked about oh, yeah, it. We... Not to... <laughs> it, it. If, yes, I know I'll get told off if I didn't say that. <laughs> it is www.pcisecuritystandards.org. Excellent. Thank you so much. Enjoy. All right. Thank, thank you, you for... very much, Jen. All right, it was good. Very good to talk to you. Take care. Thanks for watching. To watch more episodes of Security Metrics Podcast, click on the box on the left. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. See you on the slopes.